You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about how to turn trials around. We're going to focus on that all week long. Uh, I want to take you back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, that God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. Pay attention to this one. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Every temptation, every one of them, has a way of escape. Every trial, there is a way out. Uh, There is not any trial that you'll ever face where there is no hope. God never leaves you without hope. And this phrasing almost creates the impression, and I think it's the English, it creates the impression that God's people narrowly escape every temptation, and that God has to hurry, 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 get out of the way, and that's not really the case at all. To me, the best illustration of this is found in the story of the crossing of the Red Sea in the Exodus. Now, people don't pay attention to this. They think just about the physical crossing. They think about Pharaoh's armies chasing the children of Israel. But I want to put it in context and show you how it may not have been exactly the way you and I think it was. Here we go, Exodus chapter 14 and verse, I'm sorry, 13, verse 21. And the Lord went before them, the children of Israel, by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. So they were strengthened to travel both day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of the fire by night from before the people. Now they came to the shore of the Red Sea, and Pharaoh and his armies got very, very close. But listen to what the Scripture says in Exodus 14, verse 19. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all night. Now, what we want to see here is that God put this cloud in the daytime when the children of Israel were crossing. Uh, he put the, the cloud that, that, that shielded them, and at night it was a, a, a pillar of fire. Now, they started crossing in the nighttime. They went across, and God lit the way. It was the next morning when Pharaoh looked up and saw them. But when he did see them, they were so far away, and God had their backs 
when they were close so that Pharaoh could never see them. Now, we think of this as a narrow escape, but really was it a narrow escape? Uh, it, it, It was really not. There was never a chance that Pharaoh was going to be able to get to the children of Israel. No chance he could do it. God was controlling their movements by leading them with this cloud and this pillar, but he was also controlling Pharaoh by where he placed it. And so he did not permit Pharaoh to get that close to the children of Israel. And when they did get close... The angels of God went in and they took the chariot wheels off the Egyptian chariots. So uh, the escape was not, uh, oh boy, that was narrow. Uh, That really isn't the case at all. And when God delivers, he delivers in the most amazing ways. You know, uh, I had a burden to pray all day on a plane and I was flying to San Francisco to meet with my family and they were already there, and uh, we're going to go to Yosemite National Park. Uh, kids were little. Uh, uh, the one I'll talk about is Gabe. He was five. The next day, we're in the park, and I've got Charity, who's three, and she's in my arms, and we're looking at a waterfall on one side of a bridge, and uh, Gabriel is with my mother-in-law and my wife, and Whit, they're all on the other side of the bridge looking at another waterfall. This one's down below. And so we'd parked our car in a parking lot, and there were probably 25, 30 people standing on this bridge looking at the various different waterfalls and things you could see there, and it was beautiful. Uh, All of a sudden, I heard a woman scream. Well, it was my mother-in-law. I turned and looked, and there was someone in a VW Beetle driving like a maniac in the road, bearing down on my five-year-old son. Gabriel ran right out in front of this car. And, uh, of course, Gabriel was at fault, but so was the driver. He should never have been driving that fast in that crowd of people. Uh, It was too late to pray, way too late to pray. And uh, nothing I could do. I was just watching helplessly. And at the very last second, that little beetle maneuvered and completely missed Gabe. Gabe was turned by my mother-in-law's scream, looked back at her, and uh, I don't even know if the car brushed his shirt or not. That It was that close. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, it took my knees out. I mean, I went back to the car, was sitting down with him, talking with him about looking both ways before you cross the street. And then once he got in the car, I wanted to talk to God. I said, God, that was a close call. And the way the Lord answered me was remarkable. Because he answered me with a scripture, with a verse from Psalm 91.10. And it was amazing to me. And, and I had this strong sense it wasn't close. A thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in a parade and 11,000 people died on either side of me, and God says it won't come near you, I would say I had a close call, but God says, no, it really wasn't a close call. The way God sees a close call and the way we see a close call are two totally different things. And the Lord reminded me yesterday when you had the burden to pray, you stopped all of this. It was an attempt of the enemy to take out your son or to harm your son, and you stopped it yesterday with praying. And I didn't tell you what it was yesterday, didn't want to burden your mind with it, but I gave you words by the Holy Spirit to pray so you could completely stop 
this event. That's why it's important that we listen to the Holy Spirit. And when you get that burden, pray. Now, it shouldn't last you five days, and it didn't last me that long, but it's just a little while on the plane, I prayed like that. So what I want you to get from all of this is the devil's not nearly as big as, as we think he is. And sometimes we make him too big. This is a, a little thing I thought about. When Jesus was in his passion and all the powers of darkness, and I can guarantee you every demon on earth was there, and Satan and all of his fallen angels were there, and the leaders of Israel and the leaders of Herod's court, Pilate, the Romans, all were set against him. He had a, a tremendous alliance against him. His own disciples had forsaken him. They weren't there standing with him. Uh, there was a crowd yelling, crucify him, crucify him. So he's completely outnumbered. But he said, do you not think that my father could send me 12 legions of angels to stop this? And I want you to think about that for a minute. Uh, God certainly has way more than 12 legions of angels. 12 legions is a finite number. And the scriptures tell us that the angels were made without number. That There's an infinite number of angels that are with God. And so Jesus was saying that just 12 legions of angels would have been enough to stop the wicked men, but also to stop every demonic power, every fallen angel, and Satan himself. And so God has more than enough power to deliver. This idea that we narrowly escape, that we barely make it out, uh, that's not good thinking because it creates this image that God is impotent and He has to really struggle to, to, to get us out of trouble. Now, the way of escape is different for every trial. When Jesus was in the wilderness, his way of escape to get the devil to leave him alone was he spoke the word. He just kept quoting the word. Satan left him. So that was the strategy that God gave him. David, on the battlefield facing Goliath, had to sling a stone. Now, he had spoken some amazing things and declared his faith, but he nonetheless had to sling a stone. Moses, on the shore of the Red Sea, had to lift up a rod. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reminded King Nebuchadnezzar of what they had seen in Isaiah 43, 2, that God was able and He willed to deliver them from the burning fiery furnace. How did Abraham escape being childless? He accepted the new name that God gave him. He'd been called Abram for 99 years, but when God changed his name, Abraham agreed with it and accepted that name and the name of Sarah from Sarai. Daniel continued to walk in the same faith that he'd had for the whole time that he'd been praying to God when he faced the lion's den. And he went down to that lion's den in peace. He went in peace because he'd been walking in peace. He knew what the end of the trial would be and he was prepared for it before he ever got there. Joseph who was in prison and was being treated cruelly and unfairly. How did he overcome? How did he escape? He escaped 
by continuing to do the jobs that were set before him. In other words, I'm here. I might as well do my work cheerfully. I might as well do it efficiently. He did, and then the door opened for him to get out of prison. Some escapes were short. They came very quickly. Others demanded patience, and it took a little while for the answer to come. But no matter the circumstance, God was faithful. Now, I want to say this. No matter what your trial is, the answer to it is always simple. The devil wants you to think that it's very complicated. And because you may not know exactly what the answer is, uh, it, it can overwhelm your mind. And that's what Satan wants to do is spin your mind with you trying to find the answer. When the answer is not clear to you, it's important to go back and focus on the basic promise of God's Word. And when I say basic, I mean it may not have the details of your answer present. But if you will hold on to that which is basic, then that which is specific will come to you. That's how God works. One thing I do know, though, God will never ask you to do something supernatural. And it's amazing to me how that when people get into a trial very often, they stew over the supernatural element of how they're going to escape. Why would you stew over that? You can't do it anyway. You couldn't do it on your best day. And God never asks anybody to do anything supernatural. He only asks us to obey. Well, that's all the time I have for today. But we're not done. I'll see you tomorrow. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.